with Brian. He, he put his music down last week. I picked up my sermon notes, and I was sitting down there. I'm like, why is Glory, our guitarist, standing back here? It's because I had her song in my sermon notes. So she's playing totally blind. I sabotaged her. I just wanted to test her and see how good she was. It wasn't even an accident. Who am I kidding? That's a joke, guys. Lighten up. <laughs> um, I just want to say thanks to the band. I really appreciate you guys. Um, you all work so hard. And these guys come in at 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoons when it would be probably more fun to be at home watching football. So I really appreciate your time and leading us in such meaningful worship. Um, if you have a Bible, why don't you open it up to the very, very beginning. Um, Genesis chapter 1. Yes, we're starting all the way at the beginning. And I'm going to preach on the whole Bible tonight. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so i got a question for you to start us off. So when you look back at the first few years of being in college, or if you're just a freshman, um, maybe last semester, here's the question. How do you feel about the way you spent your time? Um, maybe here's a better way to ask this. If someone was to secretly log how you spent your time and then make it public without you knowing it, how would you feel? Would you feel proud of what people saw? Or would you maybe feel a little bit embarrassed? Um, yeah, I think, that, I think that there are different times where I'd say, oh yeah, I'm glad you saw that statistic, but then there are other times I'm like, oh shoot, I watched four hours of Family Guy straight, dang it. Um, not too proud of that. Um, the reason I ask you this question is I think that the way we spend our time is one way we can see what we really value. Um, would the way you spent your time reflect the things that you really would say you value? Um, or would you be kind of embarrassed if that log was made public? Uh, I guess I can speak from a little, bit, a little bit of experience from when I was back in college. Um, this was five years ago. There are some ways I wish I would have spent my time differently. Um, staying in the dining hall until 8 p.m. with my friends, I don't regret that one bit. Um, that was one of my, my favorite things about college. Um, something that just made a huge impact on me. Being able to hang out in the dining hall and probably eat way too many desserts. Um, leads me to something I probably would change about college, huh? Um, maybe I should have not eaten like 10 pieces of pie every day for dessert. Um, but when I think about the ways I spent time, things like watching four hours straight of Family Guy, yeah, that probably wasn't all that beneficial um, to the things I really valued in my life. Um, spending hours at a time on an exercise bike when I was injured from running so I could try and stay in shape, I wish I would have spent more time on an exercise bike so I could have been in better shape. Being on a team is a really special thing, and I wish I would have taken more advantage of that when I had the chance. Um, another thing, time laying awake in bed worrying about what I'm going to do next year. I would say I probably logged hundreds of hours of that. Um, I regret that. <laughs> when I look back in retrospect, God had it all under control, and I wish I would have had the maturity to recognize it. Um, but he used those experiences to show me that he is worthy of my trust. Um, so when I look back at the way I spent my time in college, I wish one thing I would have done a lot more faithfully. Um, I wish I would have been more faithful at digging into scripture and praying. And that's not to say that my devotional life was non-existent. It just wasn't thriving and consistent. Um, and I can say that because I've grown older. And something that I've realized as I've grown is that I've seen more and more that my experience of God in my day-to-day -day life, uh, the state of my heart being centered in what is true about life, who God is and who I am and my ability to live faithfully as a follower of Christ, my ability to freely live, 
correlates to the habits I have in my personal devotional life. Um, and I can honestly say I've never once thought to myself, wow, I wish I wouldn't have spent time reading my Bible this morning, or I wish I wouldn't have prayed. That's something I would never say that I've once regretted. Um, but I have regretted not doing it more often. Um, and I don't want to downplay life. Um, this isn't something that's really easy for me to say because I know, um, I get where you're coming from. Um, you're all busy, you have limited time and limited energy. Um, devotionals aren't easy when you're in college. Uh, but I guess something I need to tell you is that graduating from college doesn't suddenly make it any easier to form good habits in your spiritual life. Um, I found that it's been very consistent. I have to make a constant effort to keep myself in the Word, to live in spite of it, to remind myself the truth by practicing those good habits. Um, you know, in the world we live in, it is way easier to seek a quick hit of information from a news article, or sports center, or the Today Show, or maybe get on social media when we have a minute and we feel like we need a little extra something to give us what we need for the day. Uh, give us that little spark of excitement. Um, it's a lot easier to look for those things than it is to really stop and think about the state of our hearts and look to eternal truth in Scripture and get our hearts and perspectives right by reading it spending time with God in prayer, but it's absolutely invaluable. And so that's something I want to encourage you all in. Um, don't wait to start good habits when it comes to building yourself up and knowledge of who God is. God will meet you and mature you through the time you invest in these things. Um, there's always going to be plenty of things to do, and you're never going to hit a moment where you feel like, oh, wow, this is so convenient for me to practice my devotional life right now. It's just not going to happen, so don't wait for it. Um, Make the decision to pursue God fully now, and it's going to make a huge difference in the way that you live your life and the focus of your heart as you walk through circumstances. You're going to find yourself responding to circumstances that you may have been absolutely floored by in the past and saying, like, wow, like, I'm not freaking out. Like, God's got this. He's going to meet you in the time you spend with Him. And uh, another thing I want to say about the time I spent in college, the way I spent my time when I was in college, Hindsight is always 2020 here, guys. Um, so I'm sharing from my mistakes. Um, one thing I wish I would have understood earlier in my life is the importance of actively participating in Christian community um, if I want to have a thriving spiritual life. When I look at the things that formed me the most as a follower of Christ, who I am as a person, a huge part of that has been time and authentic relationships with other Christians. This is what we're talking about this whole semester. Um, some of those people were my age, some were older than me, some were younger than me. Um, I used to hang out with my pastor when I was in college, and we would, you know, get a burger, and when I turned 21, we'd have a beer together. And he mentored me, we talked about life, he knew that I was feeling a call to ministry, and we spent time together, and that made a huge impact on me. Um, something my wife and I did was volunteer with the junior high youth group. There was rarely a Sunday evening where I thought, wow, I can't wait to go hang out with these junior high kids. But as I look back on it, it had a huge impact on me, and I think it's very clear to say that wasn't my calling, at least I'm very, very, very hopeful that that never will be my calling again. Um, certainly I'm not feeling that one. But uh, nonetheless, it was very impactful for me, and, uh, and for my wife as well, to be able to spend time with those kids, uh, to be able to share our faith with them, talking about life and truth together as followers of Christ. Um, this didn't magically happen. You know, sometimes we get these idealistic things about community, and then we actually try and practice community, and we're like, I really like the idea of this, but, like, we're just not clicking. 
it takes time to build relationships and to really feel that deep level of intimacy that we do require to be able to care for each other at an authentic level. Um, it takes time and it takes effort, but we have to start somewhere. And I wish I would have taken more advantage of those relationships when I was in college, because I look back on them and they had such an impact on me. Um, as I get older and older, I would say that I only feel more and more convicted about this. And honestly, this is a large part of why I'm in ministry as a career. Um, some people think about calling as hearing a voice, you know, like, was I like one day like walking down the street and somebody's like, Josiah, you should be a pastor. Like that never happened for me. There are people that that does happen for them and that's great for them. But another way that I think God works in calling is by putting something on our hearts that won't go away, giving us a message that we feel like we have to pass on, giving us passions in our hearts where we feel like if we're not using these things, we're not completely living as we're created to live. And something that I experienced that is this encounter I had with God. I had such a desire to share his gospel and to preach the word of truth in scripture, to pass that on to other people, to build them up in the truth, encourage them and equip them for the life that God had called them to with their own passions and gifts. And a large part of what he's put on my heart and given me a particular passion for is this idea that we're created for community. That's something that fires me up. Um, and that's something that I want to help you guys live into. That's something I want to live into more deeply myself. Um, this is a big statement that we're going to be talking about tonight, that human beings are created for community. Um, notice I didn't just say followers of Christ are created for community. I said human beings are created for community. Um, what does that mean? Not just Christians, but human beings in general. Um, that's what I want to talk about. And so we're starting at the very beginning in Genesis 1 and 2. Um, we're looking at the story of God creating and ordering the universe according to his design. So if you have your Bibles out, why don't you just turn to Genesis chapter 1. Um, I'm going to kind of do a little brief overview here and then skip to the verses that I really want to focus on. Um, so when we start at the very beginning, we see God on day one. We've got light. Um, the creation of, on day two, separated water in the sky. Day three, land, seas, and vegetation. Um, on to day four, the ordering of the sun, the moon, and the stars. And then God creates life, fish, and birds, land animals, and humans. And what is the refrain after every day when God creates these things? God created and... It was good, yes. Uh, we hear that again and again. God created and it was good. Um, let's dig in further to the story of how God created mankind so we can look and see how God has uniquely created us for community. Um, this is right here in the text. So let's pick up in verse 26 of chapter 1. Here we are. Then God said, I'm reading the ESV. Um, I like this translation, but I'm not really a snob. I like the ESV or the NIV, but... This is the one I grabbed from my desk tonight, so you're probably going to have to skip back and forth between words. Sorry if that's inconvenient, but that's where we're at. So verse 26 of chapter 1, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. 
You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And we continue on in chapter 2. Um, the author here kind of expands a little bit more broadly on what this creation of man looks like in verses 15 through 25. And uh, I think it's really important that we check that out as well of the creation narrative. So here we are picking up in verse 15. Uh, we're in chapter 2 now. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work for it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. They became one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. So as we see, um, throughout this story of creation, it was all good, but something was off. When it came to man, it was not good that Adam was alone. That's our sermon title for this evening. evening. It was not good. Uh, we see that Adam was alone with God. He was in a perfect place. Man and God were in perfect communion. Adam had a purpose. We see in these verses that Adam's purpose was to work the land that God had given him and take care of God's creation. So he's got perfect communion with God. He's got a purpose, but all those things weren't enough. We see there in verse 18. Check out verse 18. This was not good that Adam was alone. Um, so why is this? Why would God create something that was not good? That doesn't make sense. Um, here's how we can make sense of it. Um, it was not good because Adam was created with a need for relationship. When we go back to chapter 1, verse 26, check out that verse. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. This is a reference to God being a community in himself. And we see this all throughout scripture. One God who exists in three distinct persons. Um, we may, you may be familiar with this. We call this doctrine the Trinity. God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God in three persons, in perfect unity and community, fully fulfilled in himself. If any of you grew up in churches where they sing hymns, anytime I say God in three persons, there's just a really huge part of it that wants to say, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. That's an old hymn, holy, holy, holy. We sang that at our wedding. I love that hymn. Um, but that's just so powerful, this image of the Trinity, God in community. And as beings created in the image of God, community is something that we as well as human beings require. It's necessary for our flourishing. We require community to be complete. 
Um, look at verses 22 and 23 there, that second chapter. God resolved Adam's need for community by creating Eve. Adam needed a companion, a helper suitable for him. Um, no animal was sufficient. I have a dog, and dog may be man's best friend, but that was not enough. Um, as we see, when Adam meets Eve in this passage, um, a glimpse of community at the most intimate level is what we find. Um, and that's at the core of this passage. The covenant relationship of a marriage between a man and a woman is a picture of the most intimate level of human community possible. Um, but I have to say, at its most basic level, that's not entirely the only thing this passage is talking about. This passage clearly portrays that all human beings, as those created in the image of God, require community as an integral part of who they are. Um, every human being in the world, regardless of religious belief, have a need to be in relationship with other people. We're created for relationship with God, but at the, at the core of who we are, we have a need for community with other people. Um, and you guys know how this story continues. Um, when we, if we were to move on and read through Genesis chapter 3, we would read the story of this perfect community um, of God with Adam and Eve and them with each other. Um, we would see it collapse as Adam and Eve, tempted and deceived by Satan, took the freedom that God had given them and willingly chose to follow their own self-direction in opposition from God. Um, people who were at one point naked and felt no shame, their innocence was lost. Um, they now began to cover themselves, they blamed each other, they experienced conflict, they experienced separation from God and eventually death as a result of this. And Guys, we know this all too well. Um, in a world marked by sin, it's no surprise for me to tell you that community between people and God and people and each other is defaced. Um, we've experienced this level of brokenness on so many scales, globally and nationally, uh, in our families, in our personal relationships. Um, and this makes things really hard. Um, I don't know that you guys feel this same as I do, but uh, this is something that comes to my mind from time to time. I can just catch myself thinking, you know, who can I really trust? Um, can I really trust anybody 100%? Um, who really has my best in mind? I mean, I'm all about unconditional love and everything, but I can't be sure that anybody's looking out for number one as well as I am. Um, I feel like that's a pretty common feeling. In response to the brokenness we see around ourselves, it's often our response to go inward and say, the only person I know I can trust is myself. I want to rely on myself for as many things as I possibly can. I think it's pretty accurate to say we all want to tend, um, we all do tend to rely on ourselves exclusively as long as we're able. Um, it makes us anxious when we can't. Um, we rarely express our needs to others and allow ourselves to be vulnerable. As a result of this, we often find ourselves lonely um, with the most important things in our lives often only being discussed in conversations in our own heads. Um, we rarely, if ever, allow ourselves to be vulnerable. And as a result of this, we lack the encouragement and the support that we're designed to need from each other. And so, that's the reality that we're living in. Um, and so how do we, as followers of Christ, um, people who've chosen to live their lives as followers of Jesus Christ, how do we respond to this? I think one way we respond to this, one way that we live faithfully as followers of Christ is refusing 
to allow the way that we view the world and participate in life to be defined by the brokenness of sin. Um, we strive to live in light of what God has done and making all things new in Christ. Um, we cannot be okay with this. Uh, part of what it means for us to be the church is to strive to reclaim community for, what's intended, for what it's intended to be. Um, this is a really cool prayer that I want to share with you guys. Before Jesus was captured and crucified, um, he prayed this prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, he was talking about his disciples, but Jesus prayed for you. Um, this is John 17. Why don't you guys turn to John 17 if you have your Bibles. Um, I'm picking up in verse 20. Um, here is Jesus' prayer. My prayer is not for them alone. He's talking about his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I am them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Uh, what an amazing display of the unity of God um, as something to be mirrored in the church. Our calling as disciples of Christ is to be one people, just as God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. Um, as we live as one people connected to God, he sustains this by the power of his Holy Spirit, this passage says. Um, we'll display the gospel to the world, people with God, God with people, people with each other, all because of what he has done in Christ. We have to embrace authentic community centered in the truth of the gospel as the way things ought to be. We admit that we're dependent on God. We admit that we're dependent on each other. We need each other. Life is not meant to be lived alone. Uh, your faith is not meant to be a solo project. You're created for community. Um, do you ever feel like you can't do it alone? I feel like that sometimes. You can't. Um, you're not designed to do it alone. You're wired to need more than that. You can accept that without fear because God has done something on your behalf. Through Christ, he's brought you into community that you might be supported and encouraged throughout all of your life by his people as God works among them through his spirit. Uh, listen to this quote. This quote is something that just has been really profound to me. Uh, this is by an author named Frank Colcown in his book, Total Christianity. He says, when Christ saves a man, he not only saves him from his sin, he saves him from his solitude. He saves him not only from his sin, but from his solitude. We have the gift and the responsibility to get plugged into life and community, sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly with each other, encouraging each other and building each other up, speaking the truth to each other in love throughout life. So here's my question for you. What group of people can you live like with this? Um, where can you get plugged in here at IU? Where can you get plugged in at home over the summer? What adults can you get to know and gain some perspective on life and faith from someone a little bit further down the road? What younger people than you can you impact by building community with them and building them up in their faith where they're at? Um, 
this perspective on community just changes the way we look at life and the church. Um, we can't come to community as consumers anymore, um, participating to the extent that it serves our own purposes. We have to come to community recognizing that our participation in the body is about caring for and giving to others, not getting for ourselves. Um, this is something that I have struggled with myself from time to time. I said to my wife once, hey, we should go to this church. Something I love about it is I can get in and out, have a great worship experience, and nobody bothers me. Um, what a consumeristic attitude. The church is for my own personal benefit. I'm going to take from it what I want to give myself, what I feel like I need to extract from it, but any moment that becomes an inconvenience for me and my own schedule and agenda for my life, you know, let's pump the brakes. Um, that was something that really held me back and damaged me in my spiritual life. And it wasn't until I got in the church where I built relationships and they spoke truth into my life and I felt like, man, like, this is really changing me, but I don't know that I necessarily want this kind of community. Like, I'm going to have to take my faith seriously if I stay here. Um, I was like, maybe we should look for a church that's a little less serious, where people are just going to let me show up and do my own thing. Um, thankfully, my wife didn't let us check out. Um, we stayed in this church, and it changed our lives as we experienced what true community can be in Christ as a result of the gospel, living life together, being vulnerable, sharing lives, and being our true selves, um, allowing ourselves to be cared for as we care for others. Um, like Jesus stated in his prayer, what an opportunity that we have as the church to display to the world what life is supposed to look like. Um, unity with God and unity with each other. Um, you know, I've shared before, there's a statement, you know, preach the gospel, always use words when necessary. And I think that, that makes a lot of sense in the way that our lives as Christians should look different. I think we do need to use words to communicate the depth and breadth of the gospel, but I think we'd do a whole lot better of a job of communicating it with our lives if we took community more seriously, and we really took seriously who we are, one body, united in Christ, and we live like that is true. Um, this isn't the extra 2%. Um, community is at the core of who we are, um, and so we can't afford to act like it's not that big of a deal. Um, let's experience the fullness of what life in Christ is intended to be in our community. And in doing that, we'll communicate to the world what it truly means to be human. Um, so next week, Bob is going to be here with us. And I'm really looking forward to the perspective that he's going to share with us on community, what it means for us to be the community of God in the world today. As we trace through the story of Israel in the Old Testament, how God called a people to himself, Israel, um, through the person of Abraham, what this looked like as his people were in exile in Egypt, what it looked like as they came into the promised land and came to be ruled by kings as his nation. Um, what did it look like for this community of God to await on Christ the Redeemer to come? Um, and as we do that, we're going to move into the Old Testament, we're going to move from the Old Testament into the New Testament. Take a look in the book of Acts at how this early church lived as the followers of Christ what that really means for us today. Um, so those questions that I asked you earlier, um, where can you get plugged into community? Um, maybe that's here at ECC. Maybe that's in another church. Maybe it's a group on campus. I just want it to happen. Um, I want you guys to experience the fullness of life that comes from living life in authentic relationships with other followers of Christ, praying for each other, sharing life and truth together, um, caring for each other, allowing yourselves to be vulnerable, and expressing the fact that you have needs. 
Um, there's nothing that's less cool nowadays than admitting that you really care about something that you might screw up at. If you admit that you really care about something then you don't succeed, that's not cool. Or if you admit that you actually need something from someone, that's not cool either. Um, forget those things. We need each other, so let's stop pretending we don't. Um, so plug in the community, please. Um, I think that you'll find that God will meet you in that and that he will grow you closer to himself and give you a, a great perspective on the greatness of his body and what he can do in us and through us as we're his people together. Um, thanks. Let's pray together. God, uh, what powerful words um, you give us, Lord, um, that you are one and that because of your grace for us, you have made us one with yourself. And um, God, you are perfect in yourself, um, a God in unity. Um, you are not in conflict. And um, Lord, as the God who's created us in his image, you've created us for perfect community ourselves. Um, we recognize that we are broken. We are screwed up. Um, it is so easy for me to backslide and put myself at the center of my story. And uh, God, I thank you for your grace and for giving us um, newness of life. I thank you that the way, for the way that you unite us to, to, get, to be uh, one people together, Lord. Um, I echo your words, um, and I just pray those um, over all of us here tonight. Um, my prayer is not for them alone, you say. Um, I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. And God, that is our prayer. We thank you for the gift that you give us, that through Christ alone, we are a people uh, who have hope. Um, you unite us and Lord, you fulfill our needs and you give us each other that we can uh, care for each other. And we just uh, praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's respond in a song of worship. <clears throat>